Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps, and for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for episode 139 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on August 7th over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Tonight's episode is a freeform episode as voted by the community when they chose the elusive topic of yes from the poll. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 We also have our own master of social media, the one and only Green-Eyed Music Lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. How has the week treated you so far? That's really weird asking that on a Tuesday, but how has the week treated yeah. you so far? <laughs> I was going to say. just thinking, like, uh, it's Tuesday, yeah. so, so far, we haven't had too many problems, but the week is young. Um <laughs> No, it's, all, it's been we, good. we survived Monday. We did survive yes. Monday. We did survive Monday, and this weekend I get to the reason why part of the reason why we're recording on Tuesday is I get to go to back to Kansas to Wichita this weekend and um, experience the wonders of bridal dress shopping with my little sister who is engaged. Uh, and so no. it's, you, it's you say these words and I don't think they necessarily belong with each other. Wondrous <laughs> or coming out of my mouth um, because I don't wear dresses, but luckily my sister knows that and knows me and I get to wear a jumpsuit because my sister is classy anyway. Um, but yeah, I get to, Go and experience the wonders of that because I am in her wedding and just doing the big sister thing. She's my own little only sister, so nice. got to go spend some time with her for the wedding stuff. Well, and of course, yeah. congratulations on the part of us, even though she doesn't know yeah. us. Tell her the creepy. Yeah. Fr- keep, tell her your creepy friends from the internet. Wish her happiness. <laughs> yes, the creepy friends. Yeah. The- <laughs> The creepy friends from the internet who I spend a lot more time with <laughs> talking to than most of my own family. So, you know. <laughs> well, anyway. r- rounding out the usual team, we have the grizzly bearded cultivator spinful himself. Someone who has been lovingly been labeled the Tigger of Destiny lore. The one and only Beard Grizzly. Or as I think he's he's now taken to calling himself the Lord L- Lore Bear. Is that what you have on Twitter now? Beard. I've been the lore bear. I well, okay. You were like you were thing. in like hibernation. You were the lore hibernation yeah. thing for a long time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get on Twitter much. 
it's except to except to <laughs> except to make fun of Justin. So anyways, I, how how's your week been? Uh, I've done about fifty hours of work since we talked last. Oh. Count much? <laughs> so unlike us, unlike us, Beard has had a full week. Uh, I'm gonna say, and it was only what Friday was a couple days ago, pretty yeah, much. Yep. So yeah. that's Beard, Beard bad, likes uh, condensing all his stuff into as little time as possible. You're funny because tomorrow I'm probably gonna have another ten hours. So about. Anyway, it, it's it's combination. Like I. I've been pulled into a lot of extra projects on the creation end, which is the stuff that I like to do. And then it's the stuff that I don't like to do, which is, you know, getting the the fairly solid paycheck that comes in every now and again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the combination thereof of everything. But uh, that's, uh, that's how life goes, kids. That's yep. just how life goes. Adulting's um, That's fun. life. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, things have been pretty good. Uh I'm just obviously a little tired, which that's nothing new for me anyway. And yet here I sit on a podcast at like twelve thirty in the morning again. It's because he loves us. Don't let yeah, his, yes. don't let his bluster I, fool you. I just uh, I I wonder sometimes about how much of a slave driver Blue really is. <laughs> hey, I'm a nice I'm a nice he, one by your own by your own admission. <laughs> Yep, yep, at least you're a nice slave driver, and I keep going along with it like a freaking idiot, so yes, there Master we go. Yes, have another. <laughs> oh, God! And before, and before we get into that uncomfortable, uncomfortable topic, <laughs> once again, in the hot seat of guest co-host, we have our dear friend, Purple Chimera. Who actually has some has some re- or relevance on on this one more so than like even <laughs> even regarding like lore like this is actually and she and I were talking about this uh, she before probably this has show more relevance than I do right well, now. Let's put well, well, I mean, <laughs> I guess that's a bad. I don't. I don't really. I I really do bad when I'm off the cuff trying to pull comments in. Um, <laughs> But what he's trying to say is this is my real job. Yeah, this is I, this is this is like so one and to kind of back up and explain what we're talking about there um, on the freeform episodes for for the yes topics. Basically, uh, we kind of tend to just kind of pick an aspect of something that we as a team like really are interested in at that time or we have something that we really want to explore. And the la- I think it was the last episode, actually. Beard and I kind of got off on a tangent, which, you know, surprise. Uh, but <laughs> Green called it out and was and said, you know, this would be a good let's chat. And instead of a let's chat, I figured we had this yes episode coming up. So we jump on that. So we're actually going to talk about the the. Oh, man, how do you summarize this? The line the concept at, of storytelling. Yeah, but it's more importantly, the line at which a an inspiration becomes a corruption in a story. Mm. Like where yeah. where is that? Where is that possible? And if so, where is that like in our in our own personal opinions? Because, you know, that's a it's a pretty hot topic for anyone who's in, you know, pretty much any form of literary criticism. Um has struggled with this question and, you know, writers, even if you're not like a super famous publisher or anything like that, you, you probably have, have debated with yourself. My idea is not original. You know, why should I even write? Um, 
so in, in that all being said, one of the big things was when I was doing a bit of research on this was from an anthropo- anthropological um, analysis for different stories. And when I had made a comment about this to Purple, Purple's response was, oh, that's funny. I'm I'm just I was just looking at a uh, what was it a master's program in anthropology. Yeah. I I was reading an email from um, a graduate program that I've been looking into um, when my phone made a notification and I looked at my phone and it was blue having posted this screenshot of his the notes talking about anthropologists and I was like really I'm literally reading about anthropologists right now you interrupted me you rudely interrupted me with your notifications so of course that led to us being like well I mean if you really want to you're of course invited onto the show because purple has a standing invitation to our show and she was like well hang on it is it is my birthday so I get to sleep in. I get to sleep in. So, of course, we'll make it work. But that's that's a <laughs> long-winded way of saying we always love having Purple on our show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. I love being here with you guys. And happy birthday, also. Yes, yes happy also birthday. happy birthday. Just in and case, I'm I, really in case excited. I, before I forget that. Hi. Happy birthday. But yes, so um, yeah, so that's what we're basically we're basically going to kind of debate chat. I, I think it's going to be a really fun one. Um, so let's let's run through a quick intro of the topic, which is kind of a it's going to be a little bit shorter than usual, but just run through the regular intro notes and then we'll dive right into it. In our last episode of Focus Fire Chat, we discussed the abilities of Osiris. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out FocusedFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focused Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please rate and, if you can, review the show on iTunes, Podbean, or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help us stay up on the charts, which help others find our amazing community. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Generally, every Friday at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the previous week's chat for those who were unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found on our website. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content covering a number of different titles and mediums. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on the Barons of the Scorn. However, as always, please be sure to weigh in on the poll this weekend to let us know which topic you want to discuss after that. Links to that poll can be found on either Twitter, at FocusFireChat, or within our Discord server. With all that being said, let's jump into the episode tonight. I feel so I feel so weird not having the big whine. Yeah. Also like a high level summary of some sort. 
I mean, yeah. a high-level summary of yes would have been real short. Yes, defined as accepting something. Let's just <laughs> like move reading on. the Webster Webster dex- well, dictionary definition. I have I have a kind of a summary written out. Um, I'm scared. Oh, hey, you know what? It's a nice one, and it's not combative at all. Kind of. Not Should really. I still scared, it so it's less, okay? So you want, you want Green to read it so it doesn't, like... Here, yeah, Trigger? Green, you, yeah, you you read it, Green. You read it. <laughs> you know, Blue, I would just like to state for the record, I already said it in private chat, but I already stated that, thanks, Blue, we're screwed now, because you said it was going to be a short episode. <laughs> Actually, to be fair, I did not say this. <laughs> that I was, may have. That was green. That was a hundred percent. But you said not a it. short introduction. Yeah, I said a short introduction. It was a short introduction. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So, introduction into the topic of tonight. Why do we tell stories? Anthropologists tell us that storytelling is central to human existence. That is that it's common to every known culture, that it involves a symbiotic exchange between teller and listener, an exchange we learn to negotiate in infancy. Just as the brain detects patterns from the visual forms of nature, a face, a figure, a flower, and in sound, so too it detects patterns and in information. Stories are recognizable patterns, and in those patterns we find meaning. We use stories to make sense of our world and to share that understanding with others. They are the signal within the noise. So powerful is our impulse to detect story patterns that we see them in, even when they're not there. Dot, dot, dot. We know this much. People want to be immersed. They want to get involved in a story, to carve out a role for themselves, to make it their own. But how is the author supposed to accommodate them? What if the audience runs away with the story? And how do we handle the blur, not just between fiction and fact, but between author and audience, entertainment and adver- advertising, story and game? A lot of smart people in film, television, and video games, advertising and technology, even in neuroscience, are trying to sort these questions out. Is that directly from that article you posted the yeah, other day? Yeah, so that's that. That was actually only part of the introduction. Um, oh. That was that was oh. the quote. No, no worries. That was a quote from Frank Rose in a 2011 article. It has, it's titled "Art of the Immersion." Art of Immersion. Why do we tell stories? It's actually a really, really good article. Uh, it's over on Wired, and I will link that in the show notes. But I am um, <clears throat> my part of the introduction. <laughs> Was uh, there we go? Uh, I said stories, those accounts of imaginary or even real people and events that are told as entertainment, are also some of the most powerful educational tools that humanity has. And then I have that quote, and I said, you know, the question is a powerful one, especially to those of us who who spend a large amount of our time dissecting stories from video games. And while Rose above goes into detail or goes on to detail the out the example of the Star Wars universe and its dealings with the concepts of staying true to its rapidly growing expanded universe, we want to ask another question brought up in a recent episode by our team. What is the point at which inspiration for a plot or story becomes something, quote, corruptive, end quote, to the new story? Is that an achievable point? And so that's where I kind of wanted to kind of start the discussion is like, 
the entire article from Rose, he uh, he was predominantly writing. Uh, this was around the time of the heavy ins- or the uh, the really big introduction of Skywalker Ranch with the whole the idea of like or not the introduction, but it was like they were starting to talk to Disney and stuff at that point. Sorry. Um, Skywalker Ranch had already been in there and the entire purpose of Skywalker Ranch for those who are not familiar with this whole thing uh, was basically existing to ensure continuity within the Star Wars expanded universe which for those who you know have have experienced what is now called the legends um, the expanded universe legends is a very vast uh, body of works Um, and it was it was a body of works that it took so Star Wars came out and then it was about two or three years after Star Wars came out that they realized they needed a governing body for the expanded universe because they started having discrepancies within um, within the published works from the movies. There's a number of reasons for that. Uh, one of them being that George Lucas made it a golden rule that George Lucas didn't have to follow any rules uh, within when it came to Star Wars, which was. Um, you know, kind of, it was a it was a large frustration for Skywalker Ranch because they had a the golden rule for the expanded universe was as as it really should be for any expanded universe. Um, a new work was not allowed to contradict any existing work or um, or uh, like, quote unquote, negatively retcon an existing work. Um, and that was, you know, kind of an obvious golden rule. Uh, George Lucas, about a week after they they because uh, they had to have everything approved by him, <clears throat> about a week after they sent that to him, he sent back an, an addendum to it that said, "That's nice, but I don't have to follow that rule," which is where we get the prequels and the the entire problems that that were that that caused. Um, but yeah, so so he was he was actually writing about how like that had come about and was talking to s- some of the former associates from Skywalker Ranch in their preparation for the move to Disney at that time. Um, but yeah, so like that kind of sparked a really couple interesting thoughts in my head about you know what we were talking about more Beard and I were predominantly talking about in the last episode with uh, or our last episode would technically be with the Warframe episode. Because, you know, for for those who haven't had a chance to listen to that one just yet, um, or haven't haven't gone back and listened to it, I, I really encourage you to go listen to it. It was it was really I thought it was a pretty good one, um, and we and I think near the end, Beard and I kind of got into it a little bit about you know the question of, okay, these are taking from you know other stories, uh, but is that necessarily a bad thing? Like, at what point does imitation no longer be, is it no longer flattery? Um, at and what I think, point does it become plagiarism? Well, yeah. and I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> and there's, far, and there's no. yeah, and I mean, and I understand that, like, that point too. But I mean, there's also, there's a lot of quotes from really big art or big authors who, you know, who openly admit to basically stealing stuff like that, you know, it's like you know, they just, they just take it if it works and, you know, all that. And it also ties into, I know a lot of people in our Discord server have interest in, you know, writing their own form of, you know, fan fiction or, you know, their own stories about their guardians or, you know, anything really. I and mean, there's, a, there's a number of people who are writing their own, you know, uh, own short stories or their own series of short stories. 
And I know that it's a very common question, too, for people in that position to to be like, well, this story has already been told. What's you know, what's the point? Why should I keep writing? You know, why? Why should I? What do I have to offer anything? Um, and the answer to be kind of short is you have you have a ton to offer. Um, let me see. Let me write down real quick. Uh, the bottom line, and this is from a couple of other things that we'll get into later but i said i have a note here that says the bottom line is that everyone has a story to tell their story and their and it's their their story that's their story there is nothing more unique or original than your own story because it's your point of view so even though it might be a genre that's you know like you know what we were talking about i think it was the uh technocytes that we got into it mm-hmm. on with the the comparison to the flood even though it's it's a arguably copy of the the flood or the flood you know kind of concept you know they had taken it and kind of twisted it and made it their own their own thing with the introduction of it being a a technological aspect which you know obviously is not part of the flood from the halo so and i think beard that's where the fine line comes in that i think we were kind of dancing around is does is that enough to quote make it their own or is it like you know like what at what point does it become your own thing mm-hmm. which is a really long-winded way of saying beard it's your turn talk <laughs> <laughs> well and that's where i remember with that conversation of course too we had broken it down a little bit to just saying you know we've seen other elements beside the flood that also point to this like we've seen with destiny we have siva and granted, the uh, technocytes have been around for a lot longer. The uh, in, infested, infested, yes, uh, have been around for a little longer than what SIVA was, or at least so we could kind of think of. We had, like, hints and tips and so on that were, like, within the grimoire and whatnot about SIVA, but we never heard, like, point blank what it was. Uh, but long story short, like, yeah, we've we've seen these other concepts that otherwise have been around within uh even just in gaming, just think of like literature in general uh, and how much of them you have to start. I I know plagiarize is a a really strong word and it's really not the word that I want, but just to take influence from like, that's the the biggest thing. Like there's, there's straight plagiarism and then there's, well, I'm going to take an element from this and an element of this and an element of this. Now I'm going to call it mine. And that's usually what a lot of uh, a, a lot of original work is kind of turning into. Uh, besides, we're we're kind of seeing that with uh, with most even content creators over on YouTube, they all mimic each other in in one way, or shape, or form. I should know that one somewhat well because I even see people trying to mimic on even what I'm doing at twenty five thousand, which doesn't make sense, people. Uh, but just the concept of like mimicking from uh, a standpoint of like literature and what's been around for a long time has been a concept, I guess, even as old as time. Because even like there, there was Mark Twain, of course, coming out with Tom Sawyer, and then a bunch of others were trying to go ahead and mimic that same exact idea. Uh, they were just changing around some of the uh, some of the character models. They were changing around how. It was written, how it handled, etc. But it was still their 
work. And a lot of people felt that it was still their work. Uh, you could even go as far back as uh, Plato and Socrates and all of mm-hmm. them with the way that their <laughs> uh, philosophies otherwise uh, kind of played together and worked together. And I I can definitely say that like, everything is kind of a buildup of each other more than it is much of anything else. Uh, I was going to say in retrospect, thinking back to that uh, to that conversation, like I may have gone a little far, but I don't think so. Like there is a point within uh, most of what we have today in either entertainment media or otherwise where I've got to look at it at one point and just say like enough is enough. Like we're we're pulling too much from each other. We're rebooting too much. We're uh, we're we're bringing too many things back that are that have been out of the media for so long or otherwise. I'm just like. Uh, like where does it end and where are you going to give me something like a little bit more original uh and i know it went further than that but uh green did you have something i think yeah i just i'm i'm going to be coming from this coming to this from a slightly different perspective just because i don't have a degree in research um like purple (laughs) but uh when it comes to developing a character and purple can actually relate to me relate to this with me um when it comes to developing a character in a play it's very easy to fall into the same trap to fall into the trap of well this person performed this character this way maybe i should like watch their videos like i played um the character of adeline from guys and dolls adelaide adeline adelaide anyway adelaide I played that character from uh, Guys and Dolls, and that character is based off of Marilyn Monroe to mm. an extent, plus a kind of more of a cartoony version of it. But it's real easy to sit there and be like, okay, I'm going to watch this video and just kind of see how she does everything and just mimic it. Well, then, is am I actually performing the part to as a creative individual or am I just mimicking what has already been done? What, mm-hmm. what am I influencing on those characters? You get the same thing when it comes to somebody who replaces a character in a franchise, AKA Nolan North replacing Dinklebot had to go through the same thing. People weren't quite sure whether or not he should do the same kind of lines, the same way that uh, Peter Dinklage did with Nolan North. So there's this, there's a point where imitation is a, is a good thing to influence, but at the same time, you unless you delve into developing the character and developing the ideas to an to an extent where it becomes your own, kind of how Blue was saying, like it's if it's your own story, still it's fine. Um, I know that's not exactly what he said, but kind of what he said. <laughs> but if you're not doing, if you're not spending the time with the character or the story to develop it in such a way that you feel comfortable to say that, yes, this is still, this is a part of me. This is my side of the story. It's real easy to fall into that trap of, well, I'm just going to make it a trope or I'm just going to say, there's this tale as old as time. Let's have beauty and the beast happen. That's a real long way to say that. It's hard to when you're copying something that's famous, because if you don't do it well, if you if you if you 
you either have to deviate it enough that it can stand on its own and you can like, oh, this is inspired by, but it's different, right? Or you have to be so close that you're doing it well enough, mm-hmm. right? Because like in the case of portraying a character in a show um, that's a really famous character uh, or that someone really famous played, like, well, you're not, you know, that actor. Mm-hmm. You're not, um, you're, you're not Morgan Freeman, so you're not going to do it well enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, anyway. Blue. Well, and just real quick, Blue, before you, mm-hmm. yeah, I, no, I definitely. know you've got something. The, the biggest thing, though, just to, to kind of wedge it out there that I'm not saying, at least, if you're acting towards something, like you have a base or you're trying to parrot or mimic or otherwise what something has been as like an established norm, that's definitely something, in my mind, completely different. I'm going to bring up three character actors here, or at least three three actors that have portrayed a single actor over the course of time. Uh, and you're probably going to pick up on it real fast with where I'm going with this. Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson. Heath Ledger. All three of these character or, or people that have portrayed the Joker have all done him in some different fashion, have all carried the voice in a different way. Now, granted, Mark Hamill has not done it in a physical sense. Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger have done it in the physical sense. And this is where things kind of change and shift in terms of how that portrayal could be. And there's also then a tone for the movie that has to be established beside. So there's a lot of reworking and rechanging and retooling that otherwise has to be done on a character. And even then, the character of the Joker within the comic books has changed so much. It Depending on who's writing it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say highly behind that. Uh, but also besides uh, just that piece, like what tone or, or performing way they want to take the arc uh, how it is that they're working with the uh, comic or the character or otherwise, that is a different representation of what I'm basically looking at, uh, at least in terms of like how elements can be taken. So it, it's good to differentiate that regardless. Like just to say yeah. like there there is a way to manipulate a character to make it like lovable and remember uh, rememberable, as lovable as the Joker can be. Uh, and just to to craft it to a way that's familiar as well as uh, respectable to what the original owner, operator, or writer of that character may have wanted versus something where it's taking, I guess it's more a symbol, if you will. Like all of a sudden somebody takes the bat sing- uh, signal and puts it up there and says, this is mine now. No, that's clearly the bat signal. Like everybody at this point knows that that's clearly the bat signal. Don't try to take a moray from something otherwise that has been very well established unless it's like pure doctrine parody for parody's sake. That might be where I end up like allowing it, but eh. otherwise you're treading some real fine waters. Uh, Sorry, Blue, go ahead. No, no, no. Um, And that's actually a good segue too, because going off the bat signal, right? Um, So no, correct. You're right in saying that taking the bat signal and shining it above a city and saying, no, this is mine would not work. 
However, <laughs> however, I mean, taking taking a different symbol and doing the exact same process and shining it above a city, that would be unique, would it not? I mean, like it's the same concept, but it's your symbol. They've actually their... done that, in, like as a homage. They do that all the time mm-hmm. in TV, mm-hmm. right? But that's and... that's where I'm saying is that's where the fine line I think comes down to. And there's there's a there's a like <clears throat> I was in 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 diving through all sorts of different websites. A lot of times, a, a number of a number of sites uh, from from various different authors would bring up this point. Um, but the four, there's like four major things to quote, create what they would call, like a lot of authors would call an original air quotes, uh, original series, original story. And the first rule or first thing to do is really, honestly, you have to understand the genre or the topic that you're talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. and the quote that they use is the, the old adage before you can break the rules, you must understand the rules. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that that stands on its own as it, I, I don't really think I need to go any further into that. I mean, that's, that's really what it is, is you have to understand what you're doing before you can say, I'm going to not do it. Uh, and then the second Here's one, my favorite example of that it, really it. quick of that, that yeah, no, no, no. is Picasso. Yep. Mm-hmm. People look at Picasso and like, or, or any of the artists of in that, in that era, especially, mm-hmm. um, that are like, well, this, you know, I'm, a lot of people at the time, and I'm sure people today even are like, well, that's not art. You know, he, it didn't take, you know, like, we're, we're not going to debate whether it's art or not. But like, people argue about it because it, it looks different. It can look very simplistic, right? Mm-hmm. If you're using geometric shapes to make a picture instead of, um, you know, like a Da Vinci or something like that, right? Right. Um, but the reason that Picasso got there is because he studied the classics first mm-hmm. and he painted in more classical styles and then his style developed. It would not mm-hmm. have been as effective of an art piece if he had been 16 and was just drawing shapes because he was like, no, I don't like my art teacher. Like it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. And that's also, well, you know, Picasso is a good example, too, because Picasso, along with a couple of the other, like, greats, was not recognized in his lifetime. And, yeah. you know, you know Doctor Who fans. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm sad. It, that is honestly, one of, that's one of the best episodes ever, by the way. It really, it uh, really is. For that's those who, bring it for up. those who haven't, haven't had the, the, the pleasure of seeing this particular episode of Doctor Who, uh, there is a episode in which they go back and it's a, a Doctor Who, so it's time travel, just, you know, in case you haven't caught on to that. Um, Doctor Who has time travel? Yeah. What? What? Spoilers. Time, time Wait a minute. Time and relative dimension in space. Um, they go back in time, and they they are there's an there's an episode centered around Picasso, especially. Um, or Van. Gogh. Yeah, it was Van Gogh. Yeah. It was like it wasn't Picasso. Yeah. It was Van Gogh. I was like, that doesn't yep. sound right, even as I'm saying it. Because um, I was like, Picasso didn't cut his ear off. Um, then again, Van Van Gogh for for those over the oh yeah, that uh, but, uh, don't want to yell at us. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> The guy who is really, really talented, nonetheless, um, 
but uh, there's an episode where they actually he he's going through a crisis of his his own mm-hmm. like self worth, and this is this is actually like a playoff an, an actual historical event, um, and and in order to like kind of console him, they bring him to the present in which they there is this like world famous uh, art. Uh, Critic. Critic, I think. Yeah, I think that would be the right yeah. word. Who is like just like going on and on and on about how like Van Gogh was one of the most underappreciated individuals of his time and how no one understood the gene, the like the sheer level of genius. And all you can see during this whole thing is Van Gogh like crying. And it's like, yeah. it's just, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. It's just like the best episode ever. But, anyways. <clears throat> Before I completely derail myself and go off on the awesomeness of that episode. Um, sorry, I, I really do actually like that episode. Plus, Van Gogh is actually one of my favorite artists. Um, but the the second kind of thing, after after you understand what it is that you're trying not to follow, because that's kind of a, a, a necessary component, um, you need to figure out what your story needs. And so what they mean here is, you know... It's not enough to say, I don't want to do X. You have to understand what it is that you need in your story. Like whether that because because a story without a point is not a story. It's just rambling. Um, And this is a trap that a lot of people fall into in their in their efforts to not be, quote unquote, uh, falling into a trope or something like that. They get so focused on not falling into that trap, I guess you would call it. That they forget that their story needs a plot. Uh, and what the is that plot? Trap. The trope trap. Yes. Um, and so, you know, what, what is that that your, your plot needs? Because you're, you need a plot, right? You need a plot. You, that's just necessary. And that kind of lies into the next kind of common rule is the addition of multiple layers. Um, you see this actually a lot in modern fantasy fiction um, as much as I absolutely detest and hate bringing this up the twilight series this is one of the reasons arguably they did so well is because they took two genres that had previously not been meshed together this teen this teen thing and vampire <laughs> i don't i there's not a polite word and i'm just not even going to try to filter myself so whatever but they they took these two genres they took these two kind of like independent completely independent worlds that had never been really meshed together significantly and they very poorly smashed them together and it didn't matter that it was really bad writing because it was such a unique idea and this is all my opinion so don't you actually you know what if you want to pick a fight over my distaste for twilight please just just let me know. Um, it's like the only it's the only book that I've actually come close to burning. Um, the uh, but but the the entire point there is that you know adding adding multiple layers, merging different genres, you know finding a unique voice is sometimes just as important. Uh, and the argument from a lot of really big authors, you know Stephen King, Neil Gaiman, um, all these different big names, they all say the same thing: originality in the end doesn't always. It's not the end all be all. What's the what's the end all be all is finding your voice, finding what is unique about your perception and then making that the center point. You can you can make the most unoriginal plot be very interesting 
just by twisting it and presenting it in a unique way. And that in and of itself will make it original because no one quite has your point of view because it's your point of view. And that brings me to the kind of the last point, uh, which is basically challenge your own expectations. And this is a challenge in which a lot of artists, uh, actually not just authors, but artists in general too, will see this. Um, it's if you're if you're writing something and you have a conflict and it's this conflict of like two characters um you know you see this with uh, uh indiana jones the the very famous scene where indiana jones is supposed to have this really long drawn out sword fight and he just shoots the character mm-hmm. like there's there's a huge there's a huge behind the scenes reason why he did that like there was a, there was a, which is in and of itself its own funny thing but one of the reasons they kept it in the movie was because it was this just it was a hundred percent Indiana Jones personality to response to this situation, and everyone was expecting this big sword duel, this big you know that's whip against the sword kind of fight, and he just shoots him just flat out, just like deadpan doesn't even worry about it. That type of that type of like challenge it, challenge what is normally the scene that you see in a movie, and try to twist it to something that you think would be different. And how would that work? You know, that's that's kind of where you get these unique flavors. You're not going to have a unique necessarily trope, you know, because the, the tropes there are the, are there. Like, the, I mean, whether there's seven or whether there's 200, they've already, you know, over the span of human existence, we've probably pretty much already beat the horse enough on that. But it's the it's in the it's in the flavor of the presentation that the uniqueness shines through. Beard. So that... while we're still on the topic of the bad signal, the <laughs> idea I feel like this might bad... be a central central component of this debate. <laughs> I I have this this weird feeling because let let's let's sit back and think about it for the sake of like what kind of story you are trying to create. Now, if you're creating a story that takes place in the 1930s ish somewhere around then, I don't know, when Batman was just getting going, having a bat signal, a big spotlight at that point, made a lot of sense to actually bring Batman and kind of, like, get him into the know of what might be going on. Today, in modern world, we know that a bat signal is probably not the most efficient way in the world of technology in order to be like, hey, here we go. Now they've contorted and twisted the bat signal into to being something to be like, yeah, I just put it on just to make the the people of the the criminals of gotham like start to fear like what it is that's going on with each other uh and just make them think about like what it is that's happening but in that same aspect the ideas of like hey i am going to craft and create this story but i am going to have it where i can now like get this character's attention in some other way maybe not like a, a bat signal but I've got all these digital options that I can kind of do as well. Oh, uh, post on it, Twitter. Yeah, post oh, on Twitter God. or something like that. Hashtag, um, hashtag bat <laughs> signal. Oh my God, can you, can you <laughs> please, imagine please, that? Please, please, please. Uh, so that's, that's where like I, I kind of go off on this idea. Like, yes, you can have it where a character can be brought on or, or given a signal or, or given a... I mean, for sake, I don't even know why I'm thinking of this one. 
Charlie's Angels are just <laughs> hoisted into this room out of absolute nowhere, and then Charlie just has to go ahead and talk to him over a receiver. Friggin' James Bond has to just about do the same thing, but he's going back to, like, MI6 in order to talk with Moneypenny and then talk with Q and then get his gear and then go out. Uh, there are there there are plenty of other superheroes to begin with that don't even need a signal. You've got uh, Daredevil, who literally uses radar senses in order to actually figure out where he needs to go. Uh, and there are these these ways where, yes, you're kind of signaling a character, but that's where, just to kind of skirt this line, the idea of uh, paying homage to something uh, and then making it a typical facet of your character that is a strict copy of another one is something that I would start to look at and kind of cringe at a little bit, if that makes sense. So the homage you... part, fine. Are you more upset about um, your examples specifically are mm. about a character developing over time, uh, the Batman character who, yes, in the 1920s it made sense, but nowadays it doesn't necessarily make sense. Is it is it weird that to you that some some uh, movies that shall not be named in the early 90s still can use <laughs> that as the signal for him? Instead of just having the bat phone or having the bat cell phone or the bat beeper or the bat bat hashtag. Oh my gosh. Hashtag. Now I have I mean, a picture it... of Batman as Dick Tracy. Is it is <laughs> yes. it Oh god. Is well, it sorry, the... you said you said bat beeper and all I can think uh -huh. of is Dick uh... Tracy's freaking uh what is it, the the shoe telephone. Uh -huh. Well, he ha he has the shoe telephone. He also had his uh, his his wrist Watch. communicator. Yeah, his wrist yeah, communicator. That was yeah. a radio communicator. Is uh, it more this the character themselves having developing motions throughout time or throughout their character development that is frustrating, or is it um, say the I think the it wasn't the Phantom. There was another like pop culture icon type thing that used the essentially. No, 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 it was the spirit um, also kind oh of the spirit too, but let's uh, not talk about that. But where they actually take like the bat signal and use it for themselves. Is it the fact that another character is essentially using the same trope or is it the, the trope being used way past its prime? Well, and that's the, the big discussion in that regard that I think we can still kind of look at. Yes, it's, that the bat signal has become a trope of Batman. Mm -hmm. That is something that has basically developed and become a, a Batman thing. It has been with the comic book for since almost the dawn of that comic. Mm -hmm. uh, it has been a way for it to develop and change. But Batman himself still has all these different ways that he communicates. Dick Tracy had his little wristwatch radio communicator. Batman had something that was similar developed around the same exact time because as a idea in technology, he started to have some other means for communication. The personal computer started mm -hmm. to become more and more of a thing. The bat Batman computer. Was also, yep, Batman was also able to have a bat computer, which he was also able to receive signals on. By Lou sometimes of having the bat signal up in the air, but he was also able to be communicated with 
from others. I'll look at the uh, the animated series for Batman, and Commissioner Gordon actually has a line to tap into the back computer and talk with Bruce over the thing. Right. That, to me, says that there are other means of communication that he has to operate. And it adds another element to Batman outside of just the signal. Per this point now, he's able to operate under stealth, and they don't necessarily see him coming. So the criminals have this other option that they're now often abroad from like knowing what it is that's actually going on and Batman is like aware of what's happening that night or something you know or he's on the prowl or otherwise these are just things that will uh, help to develop that character a little bit besides but when all is said and done the trope the trope of the bat signal is Batman's and it still falls back to being something that he has purple I know you've been waiting to jump in here so okay go ahead. so i have i have two things one um reg- with regards to the bat signal and um pe- you know other characters taking um like paying homage or going too far paying homage for me personally when it comes to to that situation um my my kind of general line on it is if you do it once, you pay, you're like, you know, you're paying homage to it. You're acknowledging that that's a, a significant part of the history of your genre. Exactly. Right? Um, if you do it more than once or it becomes a feature of your character, mm-hmm. then the, it needs to be written, for, for me personally, it needs to be written into the story that that's part of the character arc. So for example, if I were to write a, a story about a superhero who has a bat signal style summoning thing. Uh, for me to feel comfortable doing that, I would have to write into that character's backstory that they were obsessed with Batman as a kid. Mm-hmm. That that is a conscious choice. I have to acknowledge it. I have to tell my my audience that I know that I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the difference to me between just like copying and saying like, okay, this is going to be a thing. This is going to be a trope in this story because I'm, I'm, I'm acknowledging it um, and I'm doing it with a purpose and not just because I'm copying somebody else. Do you see what I'm saying? Well, yeah. And, and real quick to interject on that one too, Mm -hmm. like the Fry Files, The Fry Files within Destiny have done an excellent job, I think, of absolutely setting in stone that Destiny takes place within our universe, per se, because they directly uh, reference Asimov. So per that point, that at least says that, yes, all of these objects and options that we had previously will give you reason for, like, why we decided to develop something the way that we did and it's because of like older literature, this, that, the other thing that started to at least make sense, at least at like a, a, a primitive level for us at our development. And now we started to realize, oh, no, we need some other things to make it work, which that's an entirely different debate when it comes to rules of robotics and so on, which Blue and I can argue another day. This is true. But in, ter- <laughs> but in terms mm. of like how uh, Destiny had done it then at that point, they were like, well, we're we're saying that a lot of like what we have based off of the exos is still based off of the and and frames i guess to a larger degree as well 
could still be based off of the base ideas of the the three base laws of robotics. And that's kind of cool to me. Like, that's still paying homage to something that came beforehand, but you're still utilizing it as, like, a point of reference. It still is a, a basis that is there, but in a in a, a world built by the way that Destiny is, is like a more real-life alternate reality, alternate universe, alternate possible future, uh, world line not zero mention, that's kind of the way that they're they're building things up to be. But it's still running parallel or singular to our universe. Yes. And and that actually ties in rather nicely to the other point I was going to make, which was going back to using tropes um, and changing them or, or turning tropes on their head, which is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, like as we referenced Indiana Jones earlier, um, with the caveat that there is a reason that there are tropes around and it's really great to use them and it's really great to twist them and put them on their head, but your audience has to have a frame of reference. You have to understand them. So either you have to, if you're going to change tropes or, or twist them, you need to make sure that they are ones that are established in your genre that people are going to understand that you're twisting it in a way and that you're, you are in a sense making commentary on them. But the other thing is that you can't do it too much. Otherwise it becomes too confusing and your audience isn't going to be able to follow your story as well. They, it's really great to to twist characters and to make them more complicated um, or or unexpected, mm-hmm. but like you can't do it with every character all the time forever. No, oh <laughs> well, dear God, you know, no! <laughs> like it would be it would be too much and like it would be too confusing. This goes right into like learning theory. Or even like invention, the style of invention. Most inventions, there are a few that are like completely brand new ideas. They're assimilations of concepts that we already have. So you're you're not going to learn something straight off the bat without being able to bridge what you already know to something new. Same things happen in a story. You're going to take a concept that you kind of already know and that is familiar and safe and then bridge it over into whatever new idea you're wanting to put in there. I mean, you're, you're talking to somebody that is okay with the idea of there being a condiment King within the DC universe here for a second. Okay. Like I understand that there's going to be some kind of opening that's going to exist on that angle. Oh yeah. Uh, it, it is though the, like, I, I think the condiment King is the, absolute epitome of we don't know where else to go and he was like just the just 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 make him off the mustard and relish and ketchup and just be done with it like that's what they made the character off of and it was just it was it was stupid and genius and the fact that they had no idea what was going to happen from there turned into a character that comes back every now and again for every every possibility that that could possibly you know, they, they can interject him for comedic relief or otherwise, because you know he's going to be a, a stupid character. But there but were we other keep... parody characters out there. He wasn't... Well, you... Yeah. He wasn't the first of his kind, necessarily. 
No, but he was he was at least a a good example that I can think of as a popular one to at least bring to the spotlight. Like parody mm-hmm. characters are definitely not a uh, a thing that hasn't existed previously, or DC is not like somebody that is like the the only one that did it previously. I, I think that no, um, they did it in ancient Greece. There was an entire oh, yeah. like yeah. job description of of trope characters. Of, well, that was. You know, doing improv on in theater in ancient greece that was the majority of like Mm -hmm. comedies like the the majority of comedies were were almost always parody or parody-esque you know that was that was pretty well what they based themselves off of but just to get more into like what i mean by this the the ideas of like a parody character or or something to that nature are are again like in no way what I'm putting there. When you take a concept, that's one thing. When you take a character, that's one thing. When you take a character's look, that's another. When you take their backstory, when you take the other little minuscule ideas that might make that character a character, and say somebody ends up starting to write something and they take three of these instances, slap them together, and call it a new character, a new race, a new something or other, you know, I, I may as well just slap into the, the whole thing that really started the debate of the infected as it was within Warframe. I do have a problem with that that whole species as a, as a general gist. The look of them is too much like the Flood. The way that they are put together is very much like uh, other nanotech that has been out there previously. I could simply quote the ideas of uh, Stargate and the Replicators, Uh. because that was something that came way beforehand. May not have been a good idea, (laughs) but it was an idea, and it was there. I'm gonna go crawl in a corner and cry. Just to try to forget about that one. Look, I don't even know how I remembered that. (laughs) They're so terrifying. I'm I'm just gonna say this now, Blue. You started this. This no, is no. what you have done to yourself. No, um, I'm, I'm completely fine with it. <laughs> completely fine but with the, it. The like the the uh, the other instance. Then, of course, the again they look like the flood. We've got the replicators. Uh, the fact that they're able to like pop back and act in some sort of like different zone and whatnot, and they're able to pull themselves through. Guess what? That's Doom. Doom did it first. But like the all thing these. Is... All, all your stories, they're going to be assimilations of prior ideas. The Flood having just this sort of, oh, what is it? I'm trying to think of like the, the older, older concept of having kind of the lich type character. Mm-hmm. It's a thrall. Yeah. It's a vampire. I mean, that's, this vamp- it's that's, not- that's 100% vampire mythos is the grave mind. I mean, that's, that's the play off the grave mind is that he's a Methuselah. But this is where I'm I'm kind of going with it, because the Flood are a playoff of something else already. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting another twist and another turn, and we're getting the same thing over and over again, which turns into the ideas of absolute stale concept. And so I guess deviation do you need to have? Well, but I think, hang on real quick, I think that is the crux of my disagreement with it, is because... I understand what I, I get. I get what you're saying, Beard. I guess my point is that it comes back into 
the the um, the personal enjoyment of the reader or the viewer, right? I kind of put in in chat real quick. You know, reader and viewers they tend to actually gravitate towards familiar plots and stories, and and this is true for authors as well. This is a very common thing, and this goes back to that very first thing that we were talking about about stories at the start. It's a it's a it's a need to organize the experiences of the world around you, and and this is and this gravitation towards the familiar is actually why you see all these multitudes of re, what we what are kind of called like remix stories or remix tales. It's because the people, the audience, love to see elements of familiar genres scrambled and rescrambled in slightly new ways. They don't they don't want you know they don't want a whole new world. They don't want that. But they want they they still want something new. It's kind of like this paradoxical desire. They want something new, but they want it to be familiar. Um, and That's the reason and why Disney is so popular. It's it is exactly why Disney is so popular. And Beard's hatred of of the infested is pretty akin to my hatred of Disney, actually. Um, and, and I mean, but that's my point. Disney is very popular. Disney is viewed by very many people as a success. I can't help but see Disney as a shill who's just taking and stealing some of the best fairy tales ever and, and neutering them. But, you know, that's my personal opinion. Um, and that's not to say that all of their stuff is that way, but a lot of the, like their big the big titles that they're, they're known for are exactly that. Uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, The Lion King. Uh, you have, I mean, Jesus, Frozen is Little a, Mermaid. A Little Mermaid. Oh my God! Don't get me started on Little Mermaid. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like you know, they they take these these fairy tales and they they completely neuter them. And one can argue that that actually does a giant disservice to the fairy tales because the point of the fairy tale was. And oh gosh, I'm just I'm going to cut myself off because I can go for hours on that part. Um, can I cut you off? Yeah, no, I really, really quick. I, I wanted, I wanted to finish what I had put in chat real quick, and then Go yes, ahead. you, then yes, you are allowed to cut me off. Um, I wanted to just say that pe- that's that's why people want to explore these new remix tales. Is they want to explore the aspects of the worlds and the genres that they're already somewhat familiar with. And if you look at stories like the the overall general population of stories in today's world, you you find that it's like arguably like eighty percent of them tend to revolve around one particular. I I don't I won't call it a trope, but it's usually a what's called a story goal and that's the the obtaining so there's this quest you know the 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 argument the one of the the D hooks yeah kind of yeah it's it's a campaign quest like it's a it's a quest it's a you you your characters are driven to find x to defeat y you know and that's and that is arguably a large majority of stories out there and you know technically <laughs> it's one of the most unoriginal story things ever and it but but a lot of people you know it goes back to the other thing is a lot of people don't mind it because if it's told in an interesting way that's that's all that people really want and it's not a bad thing at all but purple please interrupt me go so <laughs> um the the thing that gets really fascinating if you once you start getting a little bit meta with this is that if you go way, 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 way back to like looking at creation myths of different oh, yes. cultures. Let's go. Yes. Isolated, isolated cultures, right? Think way back to like tribes. Yeah, like 
across the world, when we look at creation myths, there are overarching themes mm -hmm. from South America to Asia to Africa to the to you know North America, like everywhere that there are people, there are creation myths of how was the world formed? You know, um, there's the always stories. there's always a version of the of the flood. Yep. Right, of, of like, you know, the what I like to refer to as the Etch-a-Sketch world, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> your your version of God said, oh, no, this was not good. And and Etch-a-Sketches the world, which most people, <laughs> my children won't understand wow. that reference, but I hope I that think do. that is a, that, that is totally in my new reference for that. That is an awesome way of saying that. I so, mean, like, oh they all, so sometimes it's fire, sometimes it's a flood, you know, obviously in Christianity it was a flood, but like, but, um, but actually know, so to be fair, is, it, it's often a flood. Like that's, that's a pretty common one. It is often one. a flood. That is mm -hmm. a pretty common um, one. I mean, look at dragons, right? Like they're a drag or a version of some kind of thing that we would now look at and say is a dragon in nearly every culture around the world that, that grew up isolated from each other. Right. This is not like all the little tribes in Europe got, you know, like influenced each other. This is like all the way around the world for generations and generations. They didn't know about each other and they still developed dragons. Well, that's also yeah. uh, vampires are the same. Yeah. yeah. Uh, vampires, the, the first recorded mytho mythos of vampires were actually uh, in like uh, Stone Age India out in the middle of literally nowhere yet the most common vampire mythos is actually from like romania eras and they're very common they're very 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 generally the same mythos and exactly what you're saying purple those those cultures totally did not have an email chain going back and forth saying you know what would be really cool is if our monster did this Sorry, yeah. like, the, you get the, the monstrous... flying dragons. We'll get the swimming dragons, and you get... <laughs> you guys get the wyverns. Ah, you drew the sword <laughs> stick. You don't get any arms on yours. Sorry, now I have this like yeah. amazing. I need someone. I need to commission a web comic artist for this. <laughs> so my my point is that it's like you you can kind of look at it two ways. You know, there are. Absolutely no original stories for everything, and everything is futile. <laughs> Which is kind of sad, because I like stories. It's, like, literally my job to tell stories. So, yeah. Um, and the thing that makes them interesting is comparing how wh where they're the same and where they're different. Um and it gets more fraught once you get into like more modern times and talking about um, like genres like we have been, because then you get into issues of like, okay, are we paying homage or are we kind of doing a plagiarism thing? Like, where's the line here? Are you copying me or are you, you know, taking inspiration and which came first and all that kind of stuff. But just because Chicken, something came obviously. first, yeah, well, <laughs> just because <laughs> something came first doesn't mean that you can't improve on it, right? Or you can't do it differently. And then there are very ambiguous lines about like, 
when what Beard was talking about earlier of taking different aspects of a character, like how many aspects of a character can you take before you're copying the whole character? Mm-hmm. You know, because there are lots and lots and right, like there are lots and lots of of main characters of protagonists who have murdered parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like so. It's, well. And and in that respect, again, it comes down to the to the how in that regard. Like those details can still change absolutely. things up. And to to kind of segue on this one a little bit, or at least go back to my point. Meanwhile, I hate the infested, but I'm okay with the grenier. <laughs> that should tell you something. It's <laughs> nearly the same thing. It it they're they're in some regards different they're with the way troopers. that there's well. Yeah, sure. Uh, the the biggest thing though with like the way the Grenier are put together with like their their cloning tech and whatnot too, like that's just just something that I go, okay, we've seen cloning stuff before within this kind of universe. I get that entirely, but we've never really seen somebody that's like or a race that's like cloned off of one person. Mm-hmm. So it's the details, which I'm, I'm sorry to have cut you off on that one. Purple. Oh, you're no, like you're a, fine. A good time to to do yeah. so, but yeah, the details are are what can can change how that perception, especially for me, of a character, a species, a race, whatever you're trying to present to me, makes that large of a difference. I have been with sci-fi for I don't know how long. I understand the ideas, especially with. Like, freaking Star Trek, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Star Trek has presented me with the idea that most aliens look human. And per that idea, that very well may not be the case the more and more that we go along with science. But the way that they portrayed it and changed it made me at least somewhat accept it uh, within either my my realm of, like... Uh, you know my suspension of dif- uh, disbelief, if you will, uh, or or how my my childlike wonder was, whatever. But in that respect, that's where those those changes can at least like how you write them or what you do with them can definitely change my perception of them. But as Blue had said here in in chat, the devil's in the details, mm-hmm. and that's really I think what it comes down to in. Uh, in in how it's all kind of put together, how a, a character, a race, a species, whatever it may be, is put together. I would probably say the same thing about a suit of armor, because what, what Destiny has done so far with the Titans has stayed pretty well far away from the Spartan armor. And I give them credit for that, because they make them more so look like knights, or like scavenger knights or, or like future players. or somewhat football <laughs> players yeah or flying sure. monks or flying monks or just stupid in general uh but the hey if my cousins are big enough i can put a picnic in there <laughs> is that no. what is doing? zavala is totally <laughs> snacking the whole time isn't he no. zavala yeah, snacks zavala snacks there we know oh my god there it is that's what, what do, my what Titan does, is doing. Not, That's why I need the biggest pauldron. And and <laughs> Purple already has a lore explanation for it. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Where do you think the picnic basket goes? <laughs> I mean, I can't carry yeah, it. Boo-boo. I have weapons. 
well, you can't carry it because you have T Rex arms. Like, I mean, oh, that's also true. Also true. That's why they need a charge so they can actually hit something with their melee. <laughs> yeah, we have to be able to get past the pauldron where the picnic basket is. <laughs> the picnic well, that's, basket. That's also why. That's also why they need their their charge to be one hit because they're dumb otherwise. <laughs> Class warfare. Class it's warfare is going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's never going to get old. It really isn't. Uh, so now that I've completely derailed everything, uh, it, it's the the concepts though that they've like put together so far for like the way that their their character classes have basically looked has still stood apart for the for the general look of of most things. And I will say that about a a good majority of characters that are kind of out there as well. Uh, in Final Fantasy, for instance, I completely understand that most of those characters... All right, hang on. Gonna change this a second. In most Eastern art, I'm going to accept that most characters' clothes are going to be made of belts. Because for some <laughs> reason, Eastern characters love belts. I'm just going to look at Lulu for a second here from Final Fantasy X and be like, look at her outfit. She does not have a skirt. She has a skirt of belts. It's her not, skirt is literally it, belts. It literally doesn't make any sense how that thing works. No, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But that's like a, if you will, that is a trope that I've kind of come to accept of even most of like the the art style that is kind of developed as the the eastern culture i don't know how they view that or they take that because for for me as a whole i don't view that like every anime or manga is going to be the same exact thing it's there's obvious differences between them but the the way that it seems like that is just developed within the culture and everybody seems to be like hunky-dory with it i'm just like all right that's cool, I guess. It's a weird clothing choice. That's something, I guess, somewhat different from, like, a character-defining element. I, I don't know of anybody that has, like, belts as a character-defining element. Unless you're Lulu. I guess that's the only one I can think of that really would be close to it. But it's this... I don't know. It's it's a, a weird fine line, I guess, that I kind of walk on that angle. And... It might be like one thing that pushes me over the edge on it, like the infested, where they get just go way too far with dragging in like all these different elements that I have seen with it, which granted is is part of my problem with Warframe in general. All these different elements that I have seen with science fiction in general, and I've just gone, I have seen all of this and then some, and the only truly original thing out of this is Space Ninjas. And that's not even really that original. So I don't know. I feel well, like we went and I back think to that, Warframe no, and I entirely think, here. But. Well, and I, that kind of makes sense because I was kind of the catalyst for this entire debate. But mm -hmm. I think the other thing too is that kind of segues into my next question that I had for you guys is like, and Green, are you okay if I jump to that next question? I know you had a, totally. an interjection. Okay. Um, I wanted to know, do you, so like, you know, we're all obviously pretty, I, I, let me preface this. I think I know the answer to this question, but I want to ask it for those of <laughs> who might not know us uh, or who might not be aware of like this aspect of lore exploration. But 
Do you guys prefer to have special rules that are unique to the story that you need to learn in order to understand or believe the tale? And if so, how do you prefer to discover those? Like, is there is there a preferred is there? And then also, I guess, to kind of further delve into that, is there a limit to how many special rules? What do you mean by rules? Um, so, you know, you guys, uh, purple, I actually, there was a really good segue that purple had that I, I didn't jump on. Uh, but she was talking about like in her store in, um, in her, uh, character development stuff, how like you had, you can have certain things and certain tropes that you turn on your head, turn on the head. And that was kind of, you know, having one or two tropes or one or two stereotypes that you turn on the head is fine. And that's actually, that's actually really cool. But you can't have an entire story that is completely circling around turning everything stereotypical on its head. Like it would, it would get you way could, too confused. Well, I mean, you, you could. could I, I guess, yeah. Lewis, Lewis Carroll does, but I mean, like, mm-hmm. I mean, that is that's the whole, the whole point, point of Alice, Alice in Wonderland. True, yeah. which in it, in a weird way, makes it it's it makes it's, it fall into another trope itself in a weird way. Um, okay. So it's like the what we were talking about art earlier. You have to know the Correct. rules before you can break them. Right. If you are going to break all the rules, you are setting up the rule that you are going to break all the rules. So you're still defining what you're going to do as long as you can say that is what you are defining. And you still have to acknowledge that there were rules that you are now breaking. Yes. There has to be some sort of uh, standardize, not standardization, um, control group. Mm-hmm. There has to be some sort of control. So I that, guess, hey, yeah. So I guess, does that does that ex- does that explain what I'm kind of going for? Or so like, do do you? I don't know how to. I don't know how else to say that. Um, do you like so uh for instance uh destiny let's bring it to destiny something that we're we're all pretty you know i think we're pretty familiar with um in destiny we have the light right we have a, which is not in and of itself like the concept in and of itself is not i would argue not 100% unique but the application of it is um do you prefer to have something like that or do you prefer to have something that's like more of like the stereotypical fantasy realm in which everything is pretty like the the basics of the the quote-unquote universe are not necessarily simple but they're well understood and they don't need explanation or do you prefer to have like this this destiny-esque world in which you know there's things that aren't necessarily going to get explained and that's kind of the point of the story is trying to figure out what's going on like what what do you guys prefer and maybe why? Because I know some people don't like that. Who wants to go first? I honestly would say that I I can stand a mix of both so long as mm-hmm. it's fairly well explained. Uh, and yeah, and that kind of that was kind of the the tie into the second point is like, is there a limit to which it's like you know? So I mean, you don't you just don't like having like a solid both. Yeah, I mm-hmm. there there has to be like I understand entirely the ideas as as like a partial writer of taking elements of established norms that people are used to in order to relate them back to what you're talking about. 
that is a very good speak uh speaking uh speaking rule uh public speaking tool especially uh to to make sure that you know uh what what it is that you're saying to directly show towards your audience or otherwise and this can easily carry over into uh the way that you are uh presenting something in a story be it a small story big story something's going to last for close to or getting yeah close to 100 years here with comic books and whatnot in some cases that's mm-hmm. terrible to think about uh <laughs> the basis You're and old. shut your <laughs> mouth that's what you just insinuated by that yeah i get that uh i just love that the... you're old <laughs> the uh the big basis, though, when all is said and done, like having something to familiarize yourself with uh, towards your audience is extremely important. So I understand that element. But there also needs to be that that element that still is original, that you still kind of go, oh, well, how does that work? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's look at uh, everybody's favorite time-traveling robots, the Vex. How do they indeed work? Because we've been going back and forth with the way that their uh, overall predictability circuitry or or ideas have been uh, figuring themselves out as like, oh, well, they constantly just stretch time and they're able to go back to different places. It's like, well, now we kind of figure that they've been running simulations for a while and they know that they need to pop up here for this reason. Uh, And everything starts to be more calculated. And then we don't know about like their internal workings and how that works. We still don't necessarily know how Radiolaria works out with them and what kind of element and chemical basing that it actually works for them, except for the fact that they are a combination of organic and uh, robotic circuitry that's been put together very similar and akin to the Bork. And I can still go ahead and say that there is something I can relate the Vex back to. All of a sudden, there is a means for me to think it over. Even as far back as the time travel part. Because I remember First Contact. First Contact <laughs> was a very good movie. That was a very good freaking movie. And in that respect, the Borg still time traveled. And they did it pretty freaking well. They, they, they actually explained it very well in my mind. But that being said, like this, this concept of how the Vex are is not a unique thing. But I'm okay with it enough because Bungie has been explaining them to the point of like, well, they they have more capability to time travel and pull themselves from different eras of time and space, etc., and change out and so on. And these are, are different things from like what I'm at least kind of used to, but there are still familiar elements that exist, but still enough for me as I, as I suppose the obtaining aspect of like the story goal may be but i i still feel like it goes further than that like it's a it, it may be an obtaining ed- segment of it but it's still this idea of i am researching to figure it out i guess you could say best way i can kind of put it and that's where i i i like where at least Bungie's head is kind of at, but I also like where uh, certain other games are kind of at as well with uh, the the new God of War, though I haven't played it. I've seen elements of it, at least to kind of know what's happening uh, with it and can can kind of fall back on what they're trying to pull from. And it's familiar lore, familiar mythos, etc. 
but it, that's where they still have to put something original in for me to care and of course that's where you know the the whole origins of dad of war comes from and of course we got to deal with the kid and start to figure out what the kid's all about uh horizon zero dawn could very well be the same exact game as god of war but when all is said and done it is still trying to piece itself together in some different fashions but i don't know that's i i I guess Hmm. I was just going to say it has its it has a structure that you're familiar with because of this it's scaffold I would say it the same way right but its presentation is different right yeah that's that's where I think it all kind of kind of rounds out if you will uh I am definitely like in for the the ideas of like just present me with something that has been built up etc or has been around for a while that's fine but i still need something new that's going to keep me around for a little longer because otherwise uniqueness yeah uh so this should be testament to something uh how much i've gushed about something like monster hunter for instance (laughs) uh and how little i actually play that game anymore because all of the uniqueness died the moment I got to the uh, to the end uh, the the end fights that existed within the game for me. I was just like, well, the grind's still fun, the gameplay's still fun, all of that's there, but all the story elements are gone now, and they have no plans to add like much else for me that's going to keep me entwined and keep going. So, regardless of any of the extra like small things that they decide to do, I'm just like, eh. I, I guess I'll go back and play it once in a while because I still really like the the gameplay of it, but that's about as far as it's going to go. I don't know if that says something to the testament of the way that, you know, for, for many people as well, because I barely hear many that still talk about Monster Hunter quite as fervently as they did when it came out, about games like Warframe and Destiny and the way that they're kind of put together but that should tell you the staying power of of games or stories that kind of give you the puzzle pieces and kind of to the the second point still on this one for you blue at uh, puzzle pieces as like uh, slowly as they kind of do just to kind of develop out things as as it as it is as a whole uh because your character is also still trying to understand what its world is that it exists in uh, and it's still trying to figure out what is going on just as much as you, the player, are also trying to do. And that can still translate to a character that exists as well. Let's let's look at uh, one of your, your and I's favorite at this point, Blue, Altered Carbon. Mm-hmm. He's still trying to figure out the same thing. He's still trying to figure out overall what this world is that he's just been uh slatted into at this point right like this is still new for him uh but there are still elements enough that he understands that he's able to contort it to his whims and wills and make it work for for him overall so the uniqueness of that story we've we've seen that tale a number of times be it from like you know planet of the apes where they're they're coming out from 700 years into the future uh, out of a out of a spacecraft, and they have to figure out what's going on with it again. But the world is still somewhat familiar enough for them 
that they're able to breathe and act and so on, but it's everything is flipped upside down. And that's basically how it is with Altered Carbon as well. The same effectively fits in with that same bill. And I could honestly go down a line of of different stories that I think are done well that take these elements and will utilize them as as how they've been developed over the years and how they've been uh, a a trope or have been reused or recycled but their stories also have enough that still alter what's going on to to make me interested and still care. Uh, Otherwise, Ultra Carbon is just another Blade Runner, and I would rather just watch Blade Runner. But that's not the case with it. It combines enough and changes enough in that regard. Uh, But yeah, I I hope that answers the question. Again, long-winded as it was. No, I I mean, I think it does. I I mean, Green, what what about you? I like stories that leave you guessing until the very, very end. And even at the end, I still like it when a story isn't given away all the way. So I uh, just finished, I was telling Blue ahead of the show, that I had just finished the Brandon Sanderson's uh, Stormlight Chronicles. And he does a really good job of creating this immersive world with very complex characters that are flawed beyond belief. Like these guys have got issues, some serious, serious mental issues. And um, it's just, if you haven't read it, I really suggest it, but the entire last two hours that I've been listening to and this book three is 55 hours long. Um, The last two hours I've listened to, I've had three different, guesses as to how he's going to tie it up and all of them were wrong all of them which i think is a really nice like i had an inkling that he might go this way but at the same time he has me guessing the whole time and i like a challenge like that i don't like seeing how it's going to end so it kind of goes back to the whole trope that we were talking about of you want to have something be recognizable but at the same time, you want it different enough to where it's not going to bore you to death. But that's just me. No, and I think that's a I think that is in and of itself a very <clears throat> common response as well. Um, but I think that also goes back into like the paradoxical wants and desires of like viewers and readers is mm-hmm. because like um, and I, I'm admittedly not familiar with his work, but um but it takes place in a in a stand like a, a pretty standard esque fantasy world, right? Like it's got sort of. There's a three. It's a three tier world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the cognitive realm, the physical realm, and the spiritual realm. And there's no. It's not like elves or anything like that. But there are characters that have your typical. There's a. Um, like a herald type character. I know this is going to make you a little um, icky just because it's going to have the overtones of um, mythos and Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does uh, I'm have just not, I'm just same... not a fan of monomyths. I, I think like after doing a number of dives into different stuff, it's just, yeah, the gymnastics that you have to go through to make a monomyth theory. Uh, sorry. So monomyth for those who, uh, don't know what that is it's the theory that all mythology and all stories is basically just one 
it's it's all derived off one story there isn't anything quote unquote unique it's all the same story um but yeah no i i the the gymnastics that are required for a monomyth theory to hold water it just i think in and of itself points out that it's not viable like you have you have to get at such a 50,000 foot view just to make it make sense that yeah but sorry sorry it's Go just ahead. the trying to make it apply to every story. Right, aspect. right, yeah. It does apply to certain stories. And um, oh. Sanderson's work, it totally applies to because there is the, I can't remember the actual name of what they're called, but there's like, there's multiple heroes. There's a um, kind of a herald type character. And there's there's multiple things that fit into that story, that, that outline that Joseph Campbell has for that monomyth. But that being said, the developments of the characters and the flaws, and you're never quite sure if a character is a good guy or a bad guy type thing, keeping you on your toes like that, I think, is what interests me more than anything, as far as when I'm reading. I want something that's going to keep me guessing. Yeah. So, and I think, I think again, that's I think that's a... And the reason I was asking is like the, there's a difference between keeping you guessing because of like inventive twists and plot twists and keeping you guessing because you don't know the rules of the land, you know, the, the lay of the land in the, right. in the regards of the universe rules. You can have you can have a very uh, I, I hesitate to even say this next phrase because it's not at all what I mean, but a very bland Tolkien-esque fantasy realm, which I mean, if you know what a Tolkien-esque fantasy realm is, you know, it's not bland. But you can have like that very basic uh, Tolkien-esque realm and then suddenly change plot points to have it completely unique, even though it's it's following the same like, you know, it, even though it's set in this universe that everyone is very familiar with because of the way that the storyline goes, it's a completely it's a beast unto itself. Right. <laughs> And I think that's where I find the hair splitting uh, is, I think, coming down to for for me and Beard is like the level of um, deviation. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think the the level of uh, the 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 amount of um, wherewithal for the um, the number of combinations of genres right i think i keep we keep coming back to this with the warframe piece and again because that's ultimately what kind of kicked this off is with like the infest and the the technocyte gosh the infested or the technocyte virus you know they're um they're multiple and admittedly hodgepodge jury rigging of different genres kind of set beard off whereas for me it was just kind of like the the way that they were the the way that they were duct taped together was in and of itself an intriguing thing um so it's like you know it's just a question of like what is what's your personal um yeah comfort level would that would that make sense i don't know but yeah i i kind of get where you're coming from with that but i think that's where i think that's where um you and I are kind of on different standpoints. Yeah, no, I, I, I think so as well. It, I, I think as you had said before, like it's, it's the devils in the details mm-hmm. in 
the the way that everything is kind of portrayed and whatnot, and the way that uh, either DE or the writers behind it, whatever, decided to write that uh, that that species into the game, and you know, for for better or worse, that is what they choose to do. But yeah, and I and I think I mean to again to to kind of start wrapping up because I, I i feel like we we've we've said what we've all come here to said i don't know if that if you guys would agree with that statement um well, i got one other thing that I yeah go for it go for it no, go this for it. out pretty well so how about the factions mm-hmm. we we always sit and we argue about the factions when when all is said and done but there there is quite frankly one that is superior to the others oh, God. and i hang on Doggo sneezes. <laughs> Not my doggos this time. My doggo's asleep right That's, next to me. I could say something about it being allergic to... <laughs> Don't you even. <laughs> Is that what we're getting to? I All mean, right. that, that was the polite way of saying it. but <laughs> Yeah, I get it. All right. So, no, they're, like, in all seriousness, as lore junkies... We all have to address something here. That is the simple fact that FWC's lore is better than the other two. Or the like. I, I'm sorry, you got Praetith in there. You're good. You you got plenty extra that's gonna be able to hold you going and and whatnot. Uh, you, I think it's I, I think I it's arguably the most developed. Yeah, yes. I would say that for sure. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I don't know if I would agree that it's the best. <laughs> Well, it is more developed. There is more going on behind it. There are more connections between the world and the way that everything is put together. Because versus it's the only like, one that has a story so far. Yeah, because Dead Orbit New Monarchy don't deserve one, okay? <laughs> so, you're not okay. to get meta on you, but. <laughs> <laughs> not to it's, get bearded. It's pretty, much, it's pretty much the argument that just got put on there. Oh my god. Uh, but it's it is it is at least to go ahead and bring up the 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 concept at least that like yes you're going to have things that are more developed than others that's actually the entire statement that i that i kind of want to leave on on my own uh just because the the way that they are opening the doors up on on one thing they need to also do it on others yeah uh, fwc mm-hmm. has a ton of stuff behind it but it doesn't mean that i'm not if if they suddenly came out with well new monarchy also has this secret base that houses this amazing super giant spaceship that's going to carry most of humanity off no that's dead orbit all probably, of a sudden to be honest well <laughs> that, that would probably be more dead orbit than anything <laughs> That is probably more of a dead orbit thing, but it's just like the the idea that all of a sudden something out of left field is going to make me start to think about it a little bit more. All, all of a sudden, my viewpoints could change, or I could start to think a little bit more. But for the time being, like the actual ones that are included in most of like the story and whatnot, I didn't see you going to New Monarchy when you got the no time to explain, okay? That's all I'm going to say. But in that respect, like FWC has at least in that regard, the most developed in terms of storytelling within the game and probably within the lore as a as a whole with connections and such and so on. Which is uh, what dead... makes it feel mo- more unique. 
compared yes. to the other two because it is a more developed story. Exactly. It's- and and besides that, I've already seen, you know, especially with New Monarchy, I've already seen politicians and how that plays out. So uh, <clears throat> no more of that. Okay. Okay. That dead orbit's cool. They can uh they can they can stay. I have it, I, like I have it on recording. I have it I have that recorded. I have yep, him too. saying that on recording. Dude, Just... I've, I've gone on you can, you can ask Anon Pig for the recording of the Dead Orbit episode where <laughs> I I said as much as I'm like FWC in game, I'd probably be completely dead orbit if this was like actually if going this on. was actually what was going on. <laughs> be like, yeah, it's time to GTFO guys. Like I don't uh-huh. know what you're doing. Uh huh. Guy, guy oh, it's time to leave. It's time to leave. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I just wanted to to round out on that thought. Like even within microcosms of uh, the w- the way that like storytelling is done and whatnot, there's going to be things that are going to have a hook or or they're going to be unique or otherwise. Because at least off the top of my head, I don't know if like a lot of time traveling factions that kind of existed previously. And I think that's another reason I kind of like them within the way that Destiny's developed. Unless you want to go back to like Terminator with technically Kyle Reese and everything, but mm-hmm. that's that's a really hard pull. I think that's like one versus a group. Uh, but anyway, that's that's why I wanted to just say on that end, right? Right. Green, do you have a rebuttal? Uh against Numarchy versus uh, and I'm pretty done trying to fight that fight <laughs> at this point, frankly. There's no, like, there's only so long you can try to talk to a tree <laughs> and you can't talk back. <laughs> Love it, beard. Yeah, whatever. Your <laughs> colors have shown, and they are red, white, and get out. I am <laughs> red, white, and get white. out. <laughs> I'm red. currently wearing white and sparkly purple. So you get out. Nope, nope. I, I'm not I gonna. Don't. I'm not going anywhere. Anyways, it's the, the void blue void likes me better on this show than you. Anyway, <laughs> green. Who's been on here longer? Oh beard. my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> likes me better. <laughs> Don't make me don't make me turn this podcast around. Um, <laughs> can anybody tell that Green and I have gotten way too comfortable with each other when I can yeah. make jokes like that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like brother and sister at this point. Pretty much. Oh god, let's not do that anymore. Anyways, to round it out, um <laughs> uh Purple had to take off because kids 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 these days. Oh man, they keep waking mm-hmm. up. They don't want to stay asleep. Um, I did want to. I have a quote from William Martell, actually, and he he wrote a book called Secrets of Story, uh, well told. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And I think, I think it kind of sums up what we're all saying here. And he says we want. Well, he says we want something that is different than anything we have seen before, and that requires imagination. One of the problem, and he goes on to say, one of the problems with battle scenes is that they can be bland and repetitive. A battle scene needs imagination. Winning a battle by sheer physical force is dull. Your characters need to be clever. The how is critical. Make sure how things happen is different than what we have seen before. And that's the end of that quote. So I want to I want to just kind of reiterate, you know, it's it's not necessarily that everything has to be 100% original. It it's actually as we've said a couple of times, the devil's in the details. 
Um, if you can do an even an unoriginal, quote-unquote, unoriginal story, but have something unique in the presentation of that story, then that is in and of itself a successful story. And, you know, everyone has a different opinion on what is a good story. You know, if you can't tell, even we have differing, differing opinions because at the end of the day, what you enjoy is what you enjoy. It's not necessarily what anyone else enjoys. And, and that's, and that's not a bad thing. Um, you know, reading and enjoying stories is what we're all here for. And that doesn't mean necessarily that we're going to be on the same page. Uh, but it does mean that at the end of the day, the analysis of those stories and all that kind of, you know, can lead to these type of conversations. And this is kind of just kind of a, another way to pull back the curtain a little bit and show you uh, the, the conversations that we tend to get into, the arguments that we tend to get into behind the scenes also are are kind of along these lines. But with that all being said, do you guys have any particular shout outs for this week, Green? Um, it's only Tuesday, so it's just like I haven't gathered any shout outs. Oh, I do have one. There's a Trevor Project. Uh, stream that's happening this weekend. I will try to tweet it out. Although this is not, this is coming out afterwards. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, there was a there was a Trevor Project stream. This just cha- just change the tense. Just change the tense. Yes. Um, it, Trevor Project is something that's been kind of important to me, and for fairly obvious reasons, I would say. So, if you guys have a project or a um i would say if you guys have a fundraiser that you are really passionate about and you want to get a voice out and you're like hey i don't know who's listening or anything like that um let me know like saint 14 lets me know when they've got stuff going on and i try to let everybody know that that's happening trevor project did for this other stream hit me up and i will try to help as best as i can as far as getting the, the word out on those things that way we just get a little bit more voice for some good some good fundraisers. That's that's it for me. Okay, and beard. Sort of in the same boat because it's been like two days. <laughs> it's been longer, but you know what I you know what I mean. Uh just a shout out to those that uh when I especially over at my community, uh and even with this one too, I don't I don't badger this one quite as often with my ideas because, you know, I'm I'm here as a as a as a guest host. I still consider myself. He's uh, not. He's not. <laughs> just just putting that that to rest real fast. Anyways, continue, Bear. Continue, Bear. Yeah, we're keeping yes. you. Oh God! Oh no! Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! I didn't. I didn't make. I didn't make it sound that creepy. But you know, (laughs) yeah. I'm gonna say suddenly. I feel like here's Johnny is gonna start happening real fast. It it puts the lore in the books. I actually have lore books. That's kind of creepy. Okay, moving on. Uh, No, I've. uh, I, I keep running ideas back and forth between my community with my uh, channel uh, channel show input server that I have uh, over on my Discord and the outpouring the support that you guys have given me with like some of my ideas uh, coming back to creation and whatnot has been great. Uh, the input is awesome just to kind of help me keep going. Uh, and 
that I don't think is talked about enough is just like the community involvement in terms of like how I could do something or what I could do differently or what I could do better. Uh, it does help a ton. Uh, so like today I just put out a, my, my first that I'm, I'm hoping is my first and definitely not my only, uh, cause I actually had a lot of fun doing it, but my top three, uh, on my own channel. And it was talking about top three, uh, stories to get you ready for forsaken uh so for me that was a a concept that was kind of like uh tossed back and forth is like well we need some uh we need some like quicker i guess you could say content for the channel that's kind of like easier for me to get into a little uh nicer to just kind of like develop a little bit on on my own and not worry too much and take away from like the high stress that is a lot like what we do here on the podcast is is I, I think crazy for the connections that we kind of sit and think about because I go from a uh, I go from a script when I start my videos mm-hmm. and said scripts can take me like six hours before I'm like okay I think I'm finally okay with this I think I can finally <laughs> produce this and not feel I like, like I'm gonna say something wrong I like the producer voice beard <laughs> yeah but like. <laughs> I'm I'm sitting here on a podcast just rambling off like what it is that I think about on on some things in the moment because because most times I'm gonna be honest and I don't know Blue's gonna be like okay I do, I've, I really don't want to keep you I don't know what the topic is <laughs> I mean to be fair and I know you're you're probably gonna get more annoyed by this than I will you're kind of in the same boat as Justin on that so I mean it's it's uh I guess be careful of the company you keep. I don't. (laughs) Okay. But that's the testament of the fact that we've delved into the lore so much. The four of us. Yeah, that's very true that we can, we can can just like, we just to go, Hey, traveler go. And you'll, you'll be able to talk about it. Yeah. No. And it's just the fact that we're able to have a discussion. Cause that's what this ultimately is. Yes. We're giving, grimoire cards and facts and stuff like that based off of in-game material but a lot of times it's discussing the concepts Mm -hmm. which a lot of people can discuss the concepts in game we could bring on random people we can bring on the dcp people which by the way if you want to see dcp on here bug them about it um because that would be kind of cool we could get them on here to talk about gun lore i bet Mm-hmm. Yeah, Even crucible, crucible sure radio of, too. Yeah, people want us to have a conversation about it. That's ultimately what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's my shout out though. Just uh, thank you for thank you to anybody that uh, responds to my crazy dumb ideas and gives me some kind of input on them. Uh, either during or after the fact or otherwise just because it it helps with with me to keep going because there's of course heavy moments of doubt if you if you have ever done creation it is a very or can be a very lonesome uh lonesome craft so it is it is always appreciated when you get something back off of like what it is that you're uh that you're doing is appreciated so thank you guys yeah, Lou, I know oh. you're fighting Gaul right now, but oh my gosh, Chosen is such an annoying Redux level. Um, 
especially with no sound. It's very difficult. Uh, but no, um, I, I really wanted to give a big shout out to, again, kind of doubling down on what Beard is saying. Um, <clears throat> the community, uh, we have gotten a, a lot of actually really good feedback lately, and we will be trying to incorporate that into our different shows. Um, so again, if you guys hear something on the show that you think needs to change or you think we should keep doing, I don't care. I'm not going to get I'll I'll just I'll just preface this entire statement. I'm not going to get offended um by I mean, I guess that's not a challenge. Criticisms? Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think maybe I shouldn't have phrased it quite that way. Um that's not a challenge to try to offend me. Um I was going to but I mean like in regards to like hey, you guys should do this differently or, you know, uh Blue, shut up. Uh, that is all valid uh, critiques of things, and it's stuff that I will read. I will discuss with you know every single person on our on our team, and if everyone is in agreement with it, then we're going to do everything in our power to make that change as quickly as possible without sacrificing the pieces of the show that everyone does enjoy. Um, I mean, which is, I would just like to interject here. Yeah, real go quick for it. Go for it. Say that that I am okay with telling you to shut up every now. And yeah, again. no, no, I know. I'm I'm not worried about. <laughs> I'm not worried about you. You are not the person I'm worried about. <laughs> Ju- Justin. Oh God. Anyways, Justin's response to most criticism is actually the highlight of my week. To be honest, because <laughs> half the time I don't know if he actually reads them. Uh, and I'm, and he just, and then like I force him to read him, and I always get like the immediate response, which is always like, "What? We do that?" Yeah. I'm like, "Oh God, right. okay, never mind, never mind." No, Ju- I love Justin. Justin has actually some of the best ideas as far as like, cre- you want to talk about a creative person? Justin just blows me away most of the time. But but that is to say, like criticism and critiques. As I mean, if it's constructive and even negative even negative uh, criticism if it's constructive bring it please send it in i will i promise you my skin is pretty thick i've been around the internet for a while i know how to i know how to manage my feelings i i I can take that um like it's it's not gonna hurt my feelings and if it makes the show better and it yeah that's all that it matters is that's all that matters to me is making this what you guys want to listen to what you guys find enjoyable um so yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to continue harping on that one. But the other thing I really want to give a big shout out to, you will maybe not notice them immediately, but there is a new role in our Discord server and it's going by the name of Bypass Authority. What that role is going to be doing is we have put out a call to anyone who is in the Discord server or anyone who listens to the podcast um, if they are interested in helping us develop the show as far as like fact checking, um, actually, and we also have a number of people who are, um, surprise, uh, who are in business intelligence and the, uh, website interface business, uh, which tends, you know, not to be a huge surprise for gamers, but they are also going to be helping us develop the website to make it a little bit more user-friendly, uh, if we need to, or to kind of help promote different aspects of that and if you're interested in it please you know as always shoot us an email send me a dm um 
send me a carrier pigeon. I, I mean, I don't, I don't really care how you get don't, in touch. Don't, don't send a carrier pigeon. I mean, the fact no. that you have a carrier pigeon Blue that could has, find me Blue would be very has, interesting. But um, who has a dog that could get the carrier yeah, oh pigeon? Oh my gosh, he would love. Pigeon. He would love a carrier pigeon to play with. Um, he he's play with or not? Well, so play with. yes, play. Anyways, it's um, relative. It's relative. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, to him, it's a squeaky toy, but until it doesn't, uh-huh. but, um, no, it's, uh, it, it's just something that we kind of, we kind of were playing with for, we've been playing with for a long time. Um, and then, uh, we kind of put we kind of pulled the trigger. We have a couple different, uh, groups that are already kind of building on different aspects that are helping with Ishtar's, uh, transcript projects and other things Mm -hmm. and we had given the shout out to them and and had gotten a really good feedback and then i had gone ahead and thrown it out to our general population in discord our our general chat and we got a huge we got a huge like really good response back very positive and so i'm also going to say it on the podcast if you guys have any interest uh please let me know uh whether that is in a message over on discord or through an email at focusfire at gmail uh, whichever, whatever way is most comfortable for you to, to give us that information, let me know, and we'll get Which you. That, <clears throat> yes. That being said, it is still in development on how we're doing this. So yes, it is very it, brand new. Yes, it's not well developed. We don't. We're still trying to work out the kinks on what we're trying as far as interfacing, how we're going to do these projects, how we're going to develop things, how you guys are going to be able to put input in. So be patient. But but if also, I mean, on that point, if you, ha- I was about to say, if you want to get in and help, you know, shape maybe the direction of where things are going to hopefully go, now would be an excellent opportunity. Um, if you are if you are interested in doing something of that nature, because like Green said, we don't really know where we're going just yet. We know like we know generally what we want to do, but we don't know exactly how. And we're kind of brainstorming that with the group right now. So if you if you want to you know get in on that, definitely let us know. Every idea is every idea is welcome. Um, but yeah, so that that is uh, that is going to be a new thing that you will be seeing here in the Discord server, especially. Um, and the, that is kind of the explanation of what that particular role is going to be responsible for. Um, other than that. I think that, oh, another little, just like a trivial little admin uh, side note, what I'm going, there is going to be a slight change in the way episodes are released. Um, Because my five-year-old is beginning school and that translates into really a more strict schedule for me during the week, uh, which basically translates into time is becoming even more of a premium. I'm actually going to be pushing back the release of episodes just slightly. Um, so what we normally do is we release, we record on Friday and then we release on early Saturday morning. I'm actually just going to pull the trigger on this one and say, I'm going to have it release on Monday mornings, which will give me the weekend to edit it and make sure that it's worth, you know, quote unquote, worth your guys's time a little bit more. Um, so that's going to be a little bit more of a consistent change. So what that is going to do is that's going to be Monday mornings will be the focus fire, the full episode, whether that is the general chat or the extra lore episodes. 
And then every Wednesday, and yes, I forgot last week and I humbly, humbly apologize, um, but every Wednesday morning we will put out the top three. So you guys should continue to get the two episodes a week, but it will just be Monday and Wednesday instead of Saturday, Sunday and Wednesday. Um, yes, that. Yes. Gosh, my weeks are already starting to get confused. So hey, guess what day it is now? I don't even know because this no. is a this is a vacation week for me. So like I work tomorrow and then I'm gone for like five days. So it's Tuesday. That's how I know that. It's Wednesday. Um, God bless it. Mm-hmm. See, I'm I'm close. Um. So yes, yes. But that is all just some some notes on like behind the scenes stuff of course if you guys have any interest in helping with anything else you know as always just give us a shout let us know uh we we humbly thank you and and deeply deeply appreciate everything that you guys do for us as much as as much as you do um so with that being said i'm gonna run through the uh outro notes And then we will we will run a quick we'll stay around for a little bit of an after show as well because I think Green has a couple things that she wants to talk about. So cool. All right. See you guys in the outro. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again, Purple, for joining in on the conversation. I'll be sure to get your contact information up in our show notes for anyone who wants to continue chatting with you. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing partner podcasts within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire. And may your light shine bright.